Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, friend. You showed up just in time for leftovers. I got a nice turkey neck I'm going to send home with you. Don't let me forget. Hmm, is there something else I'm forgetting here? Oh, that's right. Happy birthday to N.M. Brown. Is that supposed to be a birthday cake, Chester? Because it looks to me like a channel cat with a candle stuck up its ass. Sorry about that, Natalie. And for all you who don't know, our trusty COO really holds down the fort around here. So feel free to find Natalie Brown on Facebook and pound her with happy birthday messages. But first, I believe we have an appointment. Hmm. Oh, that's better. Tonight we've got a tale from our old pal Rory Dwayne. So smoke them if you got them and drink those glasses to the bottom. Cause old Drew Blood has a tale to tell. But first, the rigmarole. Uh, you're listening to the standard edition of this program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu. Sign up today. You'll get instant access to the whole enchilada, including hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating all the way back to 2012. Thank you for your support. Got a story or two you'd like to hear on the show? Send it to DrewBloodHorror at gmail.com. If selected, we'll do business. So tonight, we're joined again by author Rory Duane, who you might remember from Season 2, Episode 5, with his story, The Quaker. 
This one's the Lovecraft-inspired tale of an author prone to impulse buying. So, without further delay, I give you, from author Rory Duane, The Last Will and Testament of Franklin C. Little. I, Franklin C. Little, being of sound body and mind, do hereby leave my entire earthly possessions to my estranged son, Franklin Jr., on the condition he be sworn to secrecy of the contents of this last will and testament, and the information I am about to divulge. It is my wish that he inherits all assets, royalties, and rights for my entire literary collection, though I do not wish him to inherit one item, and I shall explain why in a personal letter which I shall attach along with my will. This letter is not to be opened until my timely demise, and not for the eyes of any but my heir. On one final note, I wish my study to be closed off permanently and never to be reopened. I must restate that one demand to reflect how important it is to me, and if after my passing my solicitor should discern that my son has opened the study once more, that this will be cast null and void, and my entire collection of possessions be donated to Our Lady of the Church's Orphanage. The one item I wish to remain in my possession and not to be given to anyone is my typewriter, which I wish to be left in my study when it is sealed off. Signed, Franklin C. Little Dear Franklin Jr., You may be wondering why I have chosen to write you in a letter and not simply tell you everything I must by my bedside in these hours of my failing health. But as we both know, these past years we have drifted apart, and I know this is somewhat due to the fact of your mother's passing. Conversation between us in these dwindling moments of my health are few and far between, and it is my wish that after I die, you read this in the hope of clarifying my actions these past years. Please don't think of me any lesser for my mistakes in what you should read, as my mind has been plagued with darkness. It was in the month of May many years ago that I happened upon that vile and sinister thing that you will soon come to know and fear as much as I have these past years. As you may know, my mental health before I began to be known for my penmanship has not been great, and I was meeting with a professional for some time. It was after a few months of seeing him that my psychiatrist told me that I should delve deeper into my hobby of scribbling down penny dreadfuls. And after writing a few short stories, I handed them in to him. 
To say he was impressed is an understatement. He bid me go out and find a typewriter, as every self-respective slave to the literary press possesses one. This is where our story begins. The city of London was a far different place back then, my son. Not the clean and quiet safe haven that you have inhabited your entire life. It was poor and underclass, and it was while wandering down those many dark and mysterious laneways of our magnificent city that I came to a shop of the name of Mungo's Mysterious Maladies. The writing outside of the shop was peeling, the windows blackened, and the narrow shop located between a printing house and tavern should have been the last place I wanted to enter without risking the chance of catching some ailment or other. But something seemed to call me to enter, a magnetic force of nature that drew me in. Upon entering, I found many different and strange objects occupying tableaus, shrunking heads, ancient-looking pottery, leather-bound and cracking tomes of sinister semen origin. It was while inspecting one of these enchanting tomes that a squat man of some Asianic origin appeared beside me. He goaded me for touching one of his items, but after a few moments of strangled conversation, I had clarified to him that I was seeking something in the literary field, and wished to know if he possessed anything of the sort. His eyes took on a knowing look, and then he grew somber, waving for me to follow him to the back of the shop where we entered a back room. It was here, among dusty pianos, chemistry sets, and other odd paraphernalia, that I discovered what would come to entirely possess me of mind, body, and spirit for the next two decades. The shopkeeper showed me to a typewriter covered in dust. With no name of make inscribed on it, I thought it a reject at first. I haggled with the man for an age, and after relinquishing two weeks' pay as a clerk, I sorely carried my newly gained contraption home. Oh, now speaking to you, how I wished I had never entered that foul shop, that I had never laid eyes on that malicious, deadly hulk of metal that consumed me entirely. How my spirit soared that day sitting down in my study in front of the typewriter. How my hopes flew like a bird carried by a gale. But soon I would know the danger I had fallen into. It was in the years after that I thought long and hard over that first story I had written, 
How I wonder, had it been from my own twilight imagination that it raised its maleficent head? Or had it been some psychological connection between myself and the typewriter? And I was merely a puppet, being pulled by its strings. Simply a vessel for it to seep its poisonous venom inside of. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Laying my finger on that typewriter as I depressed the key, I felt a sharp stinging sensation beneath my finger, and lifting it I saw a tiny drop of blood had appeared on the skin. Perplexed, I took a pen and again depressed the key, seeing this time that a tiny spike came out from inside of the key once pressed. I sat for some time looking at that typewriter, considering should I return it. But a sensation came over me. Perhaps it was curiosity, and simply that. But it felt as if the typewriter called to me, promising me sweet tales and dreams never before dreamt. It seemed to flow from me, as if the words themselves appeared on the paper as my fingers blurred over the keys, and the stinging sensation from each tap soon faded, as did my consciousness, drifting away as the typewriter showed me elements of the story without me even knowing it was happening. The story that soon lay in my possession exceeded anything I had ever expected to come from my own very hands. And ecstatic, I rushed to my psychiatrist and showed the story to him. To say he was not pleased is an understatement. That tale of dark lands and sinister creatures, of dark islands smothered in fog where slithering things did roam, that had so enraptured me seemed to disgust him. And I could see his hands shaken as he handed me back the pages. I returned home utterly discouraged, but the typewriter... It called to me. To try to describe what the lure of imagination is like to someone who has never been lost in its depths of wonder is a hard burden, my son. 
one that even one as myself so experienced in it cannot fathom. I soon found myself at the typewriter without even knowing of my movements, and the moon outside passed by the window as my fingers glided over those piercing spikes that hungered for my flesh as much as I hungered for its tail. And a tale it did tell. Images floated in front of my eyes of a familiar city, of a man walking up a laneway. Inside this man's coat there was a knife, and inside his heart there was a need, an urge. He stood in a dark doorway watching a familiar face pass by. The man followed the face, hidden beneath a top hat, and the knife appeared from beneath the coat as if by magic, as if the world itself had been waiting for this moment and nothing could change it. Inside the laneway, the two men passed, and the knife came closer. It was after bringing the new story to my psychiatrist the next day that I saw the blood. The body lay out flat, covered by a sheet, and the three policemen standing nearby gunned the watchful citizens past fluidly. But I knew who was beneath that sheet without a doubt and my eyes passed up along the street to where my psychiatrist resided, knowing that his footsteps would never sound upon his doorway ever again. I returned home then, fixated to bring back this accursed typewriter from whence it came. But after searching and searching for hours through the streets, I finally came upon the print shop and tavern that Mungo's mysterious maladies had been located between. It was gone. Not empty. Not a different shop in its place. I could have accepted that. There was no shop there. I swore myself to never use the typewriter again, but that night I woke up to find myself sat in front of it, fingers resting on the keys, heart thumping in my chest, and the dreams called to me. They filled my mind with a beautiful scene of horror, of majestic spires where unhuman things stirred of swamps and castles where weary travelers took refuge, never to be seen again. And these stories flowed from me as easily as the blood flowed from my fingers. It was as if the typewriter had become a part of me, an extended limb, powered by the beating of my own heart. The next day, I found myself outside of a local printing house. The editor took one look at the stories I had made and tried to pay me off with coppers, but I fought and earned my share. The weeks passed and the dreams intensified until I found it hard to separate fact from fiction, 
and my nights were filled with screaming villages covered in flames, of skies clouded by floating monsters over a dead city of London, of one-eyed ghouls lurking inside of my study, awaiting its turn to feed from me. I fell into such a state of distress that I no longer went outside. I no longer cooked. I no longer read. The typewriter took all of me for itself, like a vampire in one of my stories, a silent Nosferatu, content in its study of ominous design. It fed on me and possessed my mind to the point where I rarely got out of bed, and I tried in vain to ignore its call, to retain my flesh and what little sanity I had left. Through these tales I made a fortune as the city of London fell in love with my penny dreadfuls. Of my tales of Spring-Heeled Jack who took the streets by storm, filling their minds with wonder, enraptured by the fear of it, addicted to the thrill of it. Tales of the tavern that would move at night and welcome passers-by inside with promise of warmth and food, but would feed on their flesh instead and shut its door on their bones eternally. I ignored the newspaper clippings of the many murders now taking place around the city, which somewhat blamed my sinister stories for these misdeeds happening, of the mass disappearances. For surely it was not because of my tales. Surely innocent of evil were my nightmares and the spawning woes of the typewriter's design, which captured the city in its iron grip, but left me an empty husk of a man not able to write, envious of the typewriter, loving and hating it at the same time. A housekeeper I hired then, to try to shield myself from the horrors plaguing my every waking moment. And in time I fell in love with your mother. But she would be frightened of the dreams, of my nightmares and my screams that would wake her. I slowly healed from my loss of blood, and once again the dark study with its deadly inhabitant called to me and I hungered once more for the press of those spikes, for the bliss of oblivion that was the eternal night of its wanderings. You were born then, Franklin. I admit that I was not present, fixated as I was on the typewriter. I could hardly discern your mother's deathly screams in the next room. It was as if the typewriter wanted her soul, and I battled it as you were pushed into this world. Images had passed through my mind for days of her and your demise. That the typewriter showed me these sights as I have no doubt its purpose was to push me over the edge. 
As I fear, over the years it has slowly turned its eye elsewhere, no longer sated with just the flesh of one man. I feared now its sight fell on you, my son, and I spent months after your birth drafting tales of your adventures in life, of your time spent in the army and your exploration of the interior of Africa. I know you may think this the wanderings of a madman, that I am getting things confused in my advanced age, but know that your life flashed before my eyes in those few months. For years I have battled the stories in my head, trying in vain to change their outcome when it proved painful to you. But each time the typewriter proved itself correct in foreseeing what would befall you. From injuries to illnesses, it predicted it all. And now I sit here, my son, in the twilight of my days, begging you not to listen to its call, should it beckon. Leave the ghost of the past behind. Sell it all. The entire estate and go travel in the world, for nothing awaits you inside of that study but the kiss of death. I love you, my son, and should I pass from the realm before we next speak, I wish you to know that in all those years I only fought for you. Yours truly, Franklin C. Little Taken from the Diary of Franklin C. Little, Jr., 13th July. My father passed away last night in his bed. Reeves, his butler, found a letter on his lap and would not mention anything about its contents to me. For weeks now, father's failing health had made him introspective, seeming to be lost in the worlds he so lovingly created. People flock to the house and the church bells ring on the hour to speak of Father's demise, for truly loved by the people of London he was. The undertaker has come and taken the body, leaving me alone with only Reeves, who has grown rigid and more silent than usual, if that was thought possible. Last night I had a strange dream of a shadow inside the house, and it stirred as it awoke. Eyes watched me from the corner of my room, and I fear I've been reading too much of Father's ghost stories lately, for my own imagination has gotten away from me. At night, I sometimes think I can hear voices, whispers, beckoning me to wander through the house and search. Search for what, though, exactly? You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. 
It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 17th July. Father's funeral was today. The night before, I had dreamt that I was following the hearse through the streets of London. People watched from windows, their faces featureless, all casting papers out onto the cobbles, all striking a morbid, tuneless hymn that was out of tune with the ringing bells. I stooped down and picked up a sheet and saw it was a page from one of my father's stories, but the sheet had bloodied fingerprints covering it entirely. I looked up and the scene had changed. The room I now stood in was somehow familiar, I knew I had been there before, but couldn't for the life of me remember where it was. On a large table was an ancient typewriter, and it seemed as if it sensed me. Blood flowed from beneath it then, spilling down onto the ground. So much blood. Father Solicitor must speak with me this afternoon regarding the estate, I presume. I don't know what's to become of me. I don't know what's next in life. 18th July I fear my father may have lost his grip on reality. In a letter left to me, he divulged secrets that no sane man could have imagined. My subconsciousness must have picked up on what had been going on through my father's mind. Of the old study and the typewriter where father had spent so many years of his life. No wonder he had fallen into madness. After losing mother, he practically hid himself away from reality, and only Reeves was left to him for company in this large, empty house. I requested Reeves to unseal the door to the study, and at his hesitation, I told him that if he were to inform the solicitor that I had done so, he would soon find himself unemployed and out on the street. I feel bad for speaking to him so, but something I fear has come over me. A fever of sorts. Something urged me to enter that study, and once inside I could feel a presence of some sort, perhaps father, but somehow I fear it isn't. I sat down at the typewriter then, and Reeves practically fled from the room. Gliding my fingers over its keys, it felt somehow right to be there. Like this contraption was a part of me missing for so long, like an extended piece of myself, a mirror into my own mind and soul. 
I took my notes then in my diary and returned to the study and set myself to taking down everything in print as a memoir toward my father. But I was soon surprised to find that when I pressed down on a key, a spike should pierce the skin of my flesh. I failed to understand why my father would make such a sinister thing such as this. I'm sat in my room now, alone, and only realize Reeves has not called for dinner. No matter. It is not substance of the body that I crave, but of the soul. My mind has become entwined with getting these thoughts down on paper, and I find myself warming to the idea of the typewriter. I discovered upon inspecting it that it is designed in an archaic way, never seen before, as it uses the blood of the writer as ink. Who on earth would make such a thing? 19th July I found Reeves' body hanging from the stairwell. A strange smile splayed across his face. But this wasn't the odd thing that happened this morning. I woke in the study, hands placed upon the typewriter, with pages upon pages of strange writing written upon the parchment in my own blood. I brought it to a local man who studies in foreign texts, but he said it wasn't real, and whoever had given it to me was merely performing a hoax. But sitting here now, as the light in the study fades, I slowly recognize patterns within the text. All my life I spent reading my father's imaginings, but never did I think up these monsters that fill the pages. The house seems to lurk over me as I read more and more, and the more I read, I notice my hands moving, typing even more, and I cannot stop myself. I hear footsteps on the stairwell, but surely it cannot be him. Ignore those footsteps, and for God's sakes, man, ignore these visions that befall before our eyes, of the city in flames and bodies strewn across the streets, of the river Thames running red with the blood of innocent women and children who drown each other as they fight to escape the burning wreck of the world around them. But above is the true horror. Above in the sky it watches with a thousand eyes that see inside of your soul. And peering through the window at a sky with no moon, I can see its ethereal body floating there, awaiting to be released unto the world. It has always been there, waiting. These horrors flash before my eyes, and they are promised to me. The typewriter has me in its grip, for I flee to my room at night, utterly spent, but I awaken the early hours in the morning and find myself once again bound to its will. Is there any escape from this foul demon, this metal harbinger of evil promises, of a world where only the timely escape of your earthly body may release you from the restraints of terror that encompasses us all? Screams I hear. Outside in the streets and I fear to look. I do not sleep now, for sleep brings with it nightmares. Or perhaps awake is the nightmare, and when I dream I merely awaken. I find myself lost and adrift. I know now why Father did not want me to unseal this study. These four walls are a crypt that should have been locked away and forgotten. But here I am 
and the screams worsen, and the sky alights with the red flames of hell, and footsteps play on the stairs once more, coming closer and closer. I fear I am mad. God save me. But I awoke this morning once again in the study and found myself locked in. It seems someone has sealed it from the outside, and I am alone in here with it. The typewriter glows in the blood scarlet at night, the same hue that glows in the sky outside. The screams have vanished, but I fear to peer beyond the glass. For what will I see in the abyss of human suffering that I alone have created? No, not I alone. For wasn't it you, Father, who doomed me to this destiny when you chose not to destroy the typewriter? That demon with piercing accursed teeth? I hate it with all my soul. But yet I cannot deny still I am pulled towards it. An urge to sit and to see what images are splayed through its imaginings. The daylight fades and I fear this may be my last chance. An idea formed in my mind and I wrote a story that the study was unsealed. I awoke from a nap and found the door ajar, the hallway beyond, dark and empty. Reeves was gone. Only the footsteps and the dust speak of the fact that I have not fallen mad. He still lurks inside of this house, and he can have it, for I forsake this haunted mansion and the evil sanctuary that is this study. The outside world beckons. Horror! What nightmares slither over the cobbled streets that I once called home? Blackened bodies lay strewn across them like autumn leaves, twisted and drained of their blood as if burnt, but the houses surrounded them are untouched. No, not untouched, for some foul slimy substance covers everything and the dark clouds above I sense are filled with poisonous vapors that these creatures breathe, for the oxygen we need are alien to it, as it is alien to our world. I stood by the once sacred waters of the Thames, where the river runs black as the heart of the devil, filled with creatures that lurk just beneath the surface, their eyes yellow and slitted, but above my eye is drawn where their god rules from the sky, and I find my body frozen in place, as its elongated body, scaled and covered in vent and pores, floats between the storm clouds, and the moon burns bright red as night falls, but still I cannot turn and flee, as lightning sparks through the black clouds, and the demon's thousand eyes pierce my soul. It knows. And those creatures crawl from the Thames, covered in slime and weeds, hulking as they shamble up the cobbles towards me, for they wish me to return to the typewriter and finish what I have started. I am a coward, for I turned and fled instead of letting them take me and put an end to this hell I'm unleashing. And now I find myself back in Father's mansion, the door barred and once again sat in the study, in front of the typewriter. 
listening to them slither and shuffle around the mansion, waiting. Pierce my fingers, spikes of hell. Drain my body of blood and leave nothing but a shell of a man behind. Speak to me of a world corrupted by your musings, bereft of humanity, infested with those vile things that feed on whatever goodness and innocence there once was. For in a universe of darkness, what light can be expected to survive this hunger of souls? This feeder on planets and bringer of chaos? For he was always here, Prince of Darkness, Devourer of Flesh, Magus of Madness. His reign is endless, as eternal as the consciousness of the mind, which it shall infect and make its own. For he is not my enemy, and as my fingers turn black and my heartbeat slows, I bow before him and offer him the entirety of my being. I offer him my worthless life, and proud I could serve him by bringing about the demise of those who came before him and riddled the world with their cancerous odors, their malignant presence. Reeves beckons me. He smiles with blackened teeth, pale face cast down in shadows, eyes as dark as the endless pit of hell itself, which shall forever be my dwelling henceforth. May he reign until the end of time. And that was The Last Will and Testament of Franklin C. Little by author Rory Duane. A good reminder that it may be time to buy that ergonomic keyboard you've been looking at. But stay away from those funny shops with the samurai swords and stabby typewriters and mogwais and all that. Or at least ask them about their return policy. Buyer beware. A little about the author. Rory C.J. Duane is a writer and artist who lives in the Midlands of Ireland. You can check out his website at roryduaneart.wordpress.com. Also, you can find him on Amazon as R.C.J. Duane, that's D.W.A.N.E., where you can check out his new anthology, Black Tales, in which you'll find this story and others. We appreciate you checking it out. Thanks, Rory. And while you're at it, please remember to stop by our Apple Podcast page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and subscribe. The charts are based on subscriptions, not listens, by the way. So feel free to accidentally subscribe as many times as you want. I won't tell anyone, I promise. And if you feel like spreading the word and helping old Drew Blood out and convincing a friend or two to subscribe to my podcast, that would help me out greatly, and I'd really appreciate it. To hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other podcast episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the patrons link in the upper menu. You'll find yourself at chillintalesfordarknights.com, 
where you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program and all our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook and Instagram, and sometimes Twitter. Sometimes. And remember, we're accepting submissions. If you've got a story or two you'd like to be featured on this show, send it to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, you'll get the full treatment. Well, I'm afraid this is where we part ways, friend. At least till next week. So grab a drink for the road. And if the devil's brew is your personal demon, remember... There's always tomorrow to turn over a new leaf. So may the wind be at your back, and may the road rise up to meet you. And if none of those things happen, just find a comfortable place to put your legs up and go fuck yourself. Oh, that reminds me. Here's your turkey neck. <laughs> Good night, y'all. you know and trust is now Angie and we're so much more than just a list we still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly we can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish so remember Angie's list is now Angie and we're here to get your job done right get started at Angie.com that's A-N-G-I or download the app today Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.